Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. Hey, you guys, welcome back for season two, episode six. And this week we're talking about owning your inner monologue. And I'm going to say it later in the podcast, and I'm going to say it right off the bat. If this is the only episode of this podcast you ever listen to, I hope you listen to it on repeat. I hope you share it with all of your friends. I hope that you put it into practice, come back, listen to it to support you as you are practicing the skill I'm going to talk about today because it is crucial. It is the root of running your life. It is important for all aspects of your life and your personal health and well-being not only in the perspective of fitness and your physical fitness and your exercise that we talk about a lot on this podcast, but in everything that you do. And I touched on this a little bit last week when we were talking about fitness and chaos, and we're going to get into that a little bit more here. Um, you'll kind of understand where the topic of today's podcast came from, but it's it's critical. It's absolutely crucial, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So I'm just going to jump right in without further ado. Here is how we own our inner monologue for season two, episode six. We've talked a lot on this podcast about both the physical and mental impacts of holding down a nine to five, particularly with emphasis on desk jobs, which are usually tied to some sort of corporation and all the fun that comes with the bureaucracy of corporate America. I think that all of that gets in the way of our health and well-being more than we'd like to admit. The stress that comes not only from doing our jobs, but from dealing with undesirable personalities, quote, playing the game to make sure we remain in the favor of the right people, setting and meeting the annual goals that you wouldn't care about if they didn't determine your pay raise, and the cognitive load that comes with all of those things. All of this culminates in generalized feelings of exhaustion and resignation at best, and chronic stress and anxiety at worst. And when you're suffering from any of those things, among many others, it can be very difficult to get your mind to a place where you are motivated to show up for yourself and prioritize your own well-being. In last week's episode, I did a deep dive about how difficult this can be, particularly in times of chaos, when life throws a wrench into your typical schedules and routines. And what I concluded by the end of that episode was that the number one thing to prioritize is owning your inner monologue. In times of high stress, our inner monologue can often be predisposed toward the negative. This might manifest in extreme self-criticism, extreme criticism of others, or just generally honing in on and exaggerating every bump in the road. And we often go along with it. After all, it's our own inner voice, so it must be telling us the truth, right? It must have gotten the facts right, right? What if I told you that the opposite was far more likely? What if I told you that since your inner monologue is relying solely on your own unquestioned perception of events, it rarely, if ever, has all the information needed to feed you an unbiased, neutral assessment of a situation? 
I recently came across an amazing video on Instagram where someone had recorded an art exhibit that sought to demonstrate visually how there are always multiple perspectives in a situation and that it is possible for more than one of them to be correct. The camera starts by facing one side of a sculpture, which looks like it's just a two-dimensional square suspended from the ceiling. But when the camera pans around the sculpture to reach the opposite side, you see that the square was just a limited view of what is actually a three-dimensional sculpture, which when viewed from the opposite side, looks like a two-dimensional circle suspended from the ceiling. One person could say it's a square, and another looking at the same sculpture from the opposite side could say it's a circle, and both would be correct. The most accurate assessment, of course, is to say that it's both and walk through exactly how that is true. We experience this every single day with almost any situation we face. The problem is that most of us never question our own perception, instead taking it as fact. And our thoughts and feelings are decided by that one decision. I mentioned in last week's episode that I'd done some posts on other social platforms about this cycle of thought and how it starts with our core beliefs, which inform what we think, which informs how we feel, which then determines the actions we take, what we do, and therefore what we experience and how those experiences ultimately either reinforce or undermine our beliefs and the cycle starts over. What I'm talking about today is a subpart of that cycle that occurs between our core beliefs and our thoughts. It's a mini cycle, if you like, that starts with an event or a situation that we face. Any event can happen and we will have a thought about it. Seeing someone do something weird in a grocery store, getting cut off in traffic, a friend not responding to a text message, getting a work email that starts with, per my previous email. A thought will pop into your mind in reaction to events like these and really any other you experience. But where does that thought come from? Did you decide to think it? Or did it come to mind automatically, more like a knee-jerk reaction than a decisive thought? Our knee-jerk reactive thoughts that we haven't actively decided to think are nothing more than our internal reaction to what we perceive. And as I explained previously, our perceptions are very rarely, if ever, the entire story. So if an event occurs, and whatever you think about it is driven only by your perception, however you feel about that event or situation is now a result of incomplete information. Because remember from last week, our thoughts determine our feelings, not the other way around. So it is critically important that we are in charge of what we think and that we do our best to make sure that what we're thinking is being decided based on the facts of a situation, not only our perception of it. Let's use one of the examples we mentioned earlier. If you text a friend who is typically pretty responsive and a day or so goes by without a response, what are you thinking? What's your initial reaction? That she's mad at you? That maybe you did something wrong? That she's being selfish? 
Have you ever had this happen and had it turn out that the phone was lost or that they were in the hospital, either with their own injury or perhaps a loved one's, or that there was actually some other legitimate reason they didn't get back to you? Did you feel a little silly or even guilty for assuming the worst? That assumption was based on your perception of the situation, not the actual facts. Because you didn't pause to question your perception, your friend didn't text you back, you perceived this as a personal slight against you, and your thoughts and feelings about it followed suit. So how do you stop this from happening? I dropped the critical piece of this mini cycle just a moment ago. You didn't pause to question your perception. That pause is the all-important, most powerful thing you can do when faced with any situation to take full ownership of your inner monologue. And it only takes seconds. You can pause to look at the situation from all sides, like the square circle sculpture, to determine if you have all of the information, to question whether you're viewing it objectively or through the lens of a core belief you hold that may be skewing your perception. And here's the beauty of this. The pause doesn't mean you're always going to calmly decide, you know what, I don't have all the information and I'm probably overreacting. So I'm going to decide to put a positive spin on this and calm myself down. That is not the point at all. I have made this a habit in my daily life and there are plenty of times when I decide that I am well within my right to be having whatever thought I'm having about a situation, whether I'm offended, angered, saddened, or frustrated. But the power in this is that I have decided to think whatever thought I'm having about a situation and I know that because of that, my feelings are entirely within my control. This means that I'm more able to communicate them clearly and resolve issues with others without them ever devolving into fights full of personal attacks and words I don't mean. And at the same time, there are plenty of times when taking that pause to really look at a situation and decide what I think about it has resulted in me acknowledging that maybe my knee-jerk reaction was wrong because I don't have all the information and I can't see all perspectives. So I'm able to change my own mind about what I think if my knee-jerk reaction was sending my inner monologue down a negative path. If we are actively choosing our thoughts, we are by extension choosing what we feel. There are lots of platitudes about how you can choose to be happy or how if you're having a bad day, it's because you're choosing it. But those don't offer any explanation about how that works and why it's true. That is what this is that we're talking about here today. I can't emphasize enough how important this skill is to develop and how much energy learning to do this will save you in the long run. A runaway internal monologue full of critical thoughts that have you convinced that you're a failure, you're not good enough, people closest to you don't love you or they're mad at you, you're worthless, or similar critical thoughts about other people becomes an energy suck. These kinds of thoughts are draining. They isolate you, demotivate you, and leave you feeling so down in the dumps that even simple daily actions start to feel heavy. And when you feel like that, 
and you have a day job that you have to hold down, guess where all your energy has to go? And guess what you don't have any energy left over for? This is why owning your inner monologue is so freaking important, not only from the perspective of sustaining your fitness levels, but for supporting and sustaining your health and well-being in all aspects of your life. So before we close this up, let's recap the high points here. We are all walking around with a set of core beliefs that impact how we view the world. When an event or situation occurs around us, we have knee-jerk reactions to them that become what we think about the situation. These knee-jerk reactive thoughts are typically a result of our perception of the situation, often viewed through the lens of our core beliefs, not an objective view of the facts of the situation. But if we can learn to pause after an event occurs, question our perceptions, and decide what we think of the situation based on what we discover during that pause, then our thoughts, inner monologue, and subsequent feelings are all entirely within our control. And I'll say it again, my life truly changed when I learned this and started practicing it. If this is the only episode of this podcast you ever listen to, I hope you listen to it on repeat until it sinks in and you use it to support practicing this in your own life to the betterment of your personal health, well-being, and fitness. So I think I provided a light warning in last week's episode when I first started touching on this thought cycle that begins with the core beliefs and circles all the way around to the experiences that we have in life. And I said that it can get pretty heavy Uh, very cerebral. There's um, a lot of elements to it. There's a lot of things to think about. And honestly, this is the first time that a lot of people have viewed their inner monologue in this way. And it can take some time to understand it, to even just try it out in your own life. Even I've found in my life that when there was some resistance to this idea at the beginning, putting it into practice and seeing if there was anything to it, that can very quickly change your mind if you are somebody who is resistant to this. So I would urge you not to dismiss it outright. At the very least, give it a try. And oftentimes what happens is people having listened to this, having heard about it for the first time, they will then catch themselves doing it. Whether they mean to or not, they will catch themselves having that knee-jerk reactive thought and then saying, well, you know what? Hang on a second. I'm not sure if that makes sense. And whether they realize it or not, they are going through that process of pausing and questioning that first thought that came into their mind. I saw another really interesting post on Instagram where somebody had said that the first thought that enters our mind is what we have been conditioned to think. And the second thought that enters our mind is what we actually think. And that is a beautiful way of rewording this exact same concept. The first reaction that you have to any situation, it could be what you've been conditioned to think. You could call it, um, you could call it conditioning. You could call it a knee-jerk reaction. You could call it, you know, a limited view based on your own perception. However, you want to put that. But that second thought, that second thought only comes if you take that moment to pause. And like I said, it can take just seconds. 
And you can create an entirely different view of a situation within that pause. And then that's where that second thought comes from, is you deciding what you want to think. And the control that that gives you over everything that follows, it's an extremely powerful, heady thing. So that's all I've got to say on this. I mean, it's not. I could continue just ad-libbing on this for the next hour, dropping examples and instances that I've seen and experienced and so on and so forth. But I will leave you guys with that. Closing in in a couple of weeks here on the end of season two, if you are following along over on Instagram, you know that the content there is catching up to where we are on the podcast because I moved it over from the Fixing Fitness with Kelly Instagram account, which I have made private. I'm closing that down and just consolidating all of my posts onto the kellym.roach Instagram account. Um, so come over and hang out with us there. That's where I also post workouts and recipes and other behind the scenes content for you guys. would love to have you there. If there are other topics that you want discussed, that you want to hear about, that you want me to do some research on and podcast about, send me a message. I would love to hear from you. So thank you all for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and I will see you next Monday. Bye-bye.